Bringing up the rear in seventh place, we've got Sweet JB driving his Trans Am. The other racers are so far behind, I can't even see them. So at the end of this leg, it comes down to these seven. At this point, I doubt JP's gonna be able to pull ahead. He's good. Someone's having doubts, huh? Hell, I'm just trying to keep this thing interesting. You can't write me off like that. You're just a voice, pal. You don't know a damn thing about racing! everyone you are listening to the me and my dad watch anime podcast where we can't risk waking funky boy <laughs> my name is drew and i'm here with my dad david greetings friends let's drink and this week we watch takeshi koike's red line but before we get into the show let's let the people know dad what are we under the influence of in this episode we have a went vineyards estate grown any connection to the movie this week or just... No, I was trying to find something race-related, and uh, apparently <laughs> racing fans are not fans of wine, I guess, because I just really... And I looked hard. Yeah. Well, at least we're drinking <laughs> red, so I suppose it's not <laughs> too far off. Yeah, there you go. Red wine, red line. Um, <clears throat> Southern Hills, Cabernet Sauvignon, from the Livermore Valley. Wow. I can't wait to hear that thing hit the glass. 2018. Yeah, let's hear how this uh, Livermore Valley pours. And this is a, a special edition. Uh, we have the Little Wayne got himself a pardon pour. Wow. Because uh, he definitely finessed Trump for that that sweet, sweet pardon on his final day. He knew that if he uh, he stood up for Trump at the very end, he would be able to get him out of that gun charge. So good for, good for Wheezy. <laughs> Dad, I know you've done plenty of research this week. I know you were... Uh, you're in your computer room a lot, digging deep into this movie. What can you tell me about what you learned? Well, this one was in development for seven years. And obviously it uh, took them that long to do 100,000 handmade drawings. Wow. Yeah. Hand-drawn. Yeah. Which at this point, like in the 2000s, I'm surprised that they were still hand-drawing animation. But <clears throat> very impressive. Yeah. Koi K was not fucking around. No. Was this his debut? It was his directional debut. He yeah. worked a lot as a, a key animator in, a, you know, some of the movies that we actually watch, Ninja Scroll right. being one of them. Yeah. Love Ninja Scroll. And uh, there was a uh, prior <clears throat> production that had two of the characters that were in this movie called Trava, Fist Planet. It was released in 2003. Mm -hmm. So I guess that inspired them to uh, do this one. Yeah, it uh, it definitely shows uh, Koi K's early artistic sort of style. It definitely had those hard, dark lines, but I never uh, watched the full thing. I guess I saw the clip on YouTube. Oh, you did see the clip? I watched a little bit of it, yeah. Mm, I did not. <clears throat> and uh, Rotten Tomatoes, there's only nine critic reviews at 68% uh, rating. And most of them, you know, praise the, uh, the visuals, but mm -hmm. they said the story was sort of weak. Which, that's most movies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and there was 54 reviews, and the audience score was 83% rating. Okay. So the audience was uh, digging it. I, as we know, I trust the audience a lot more than these critics. That's why I'm going to jump right into these letterbox first reviews. And uh, I have a, a very special first comment. It's actually our first foreign language comment. 
Uh, it's Portuguese. I'm not going to read it in Portuguese, but I'm going to read the uh, Google translation. It is a half star by H. Poza on May 24, 2020. It took me one month to finish. I prefer to see a dog ass. <laughs> I had a good feeling like I saw it and it was up there as one of the top, you know, lower comments. I'm like, I just want to see what this says. So I, I threw it into Google Translate and it uh, it did not let me. I got to give him credit for at least, you know, actually trying to get this finished. It took him one month. I mean, what did he do? Watch like five minutes at a time? Yeah. With a, an hour and 40 something runtime. I, I don't know why a month was the <laughs> how long it took you to get through it. But I think that's sort of harsh. Yeah. Maybe the, the streaming dog ass. No, I, I, I don't. I don't buy it. Yeah. Well, hopefully he has a maybe good Wi-Fi in Portugal. July 25th, 2020. Ending on a kiss. What is this? The rise of Skywalker? And there's I mean, personally, there's quite nothing worse than The Rise of Skywalker. So to even compare the two, I feel maybe a little bit offended. Yeah, I like the ending. Yeah, the ending was fine. Everyone else seemed to be enjoying uh, at least somebody getting some action. Uh, another person who didn't really like the ending, it's a half star by Metal Arena on March 2nd, 2020. They didn't fuck at the end. <laughs> well, uh, Mr. Metal <laughs> Arena, just wait until you get to my sequel because we're, we're going to get into that. Uh, another star by Alex on July 26, 2020. They made me watch it. They. I, I guess it's just one of those things where like, I don't really know who these people are talking about. But Yeah, that's another thing. Oh, <clears throat> Letterboxd. They always seem to come out and like accuse somebody of forcing them to watch these movies. Yeah. This is some sort of shady group who picked her up out of her house and yeah. like stuck her down. I, I don't know why. I guess I picked Alex as a girl in this one, but, you know, it is a, an ambiguous name. They made me watch it. That's yeah. great. Uh, another star by Violet Moon on March 19, 2020. Look, I don't know. If you want to watch a racing anime, watch Speed Racer. And then it's in parentheses, the 2008 one. Instead, I'm not even going to try to review this incomprehensible movie. Violet Moon, you're a fucking troll because Speed Racer is a trash movie. Yeah. To say that it's uh, any worse or better... Uh, it's in almost a category of its own. Yeah, and if you can't understand this movie, I don't have much more to say about that. I yeah. mean, come on now. This I don't was, know if this, you need to be taken out. This was a pretty simple plot line. Yeah, it's pretty much just... It's about speed. Yeah, it's all about speed. Uh, another two stars by King on December 5th, 2020. You know Redlining, the racist systematic government organization? I don't know if it's more of a practice, but that's better than this red line. Uh... And King, that's an awful comment. You should be ashamed of yourself because, for one, you know, racial discrimination doesn't often involve high-speed titties. So, you know, check your check your privilege at the door, sir. Yeah, that's horrible. Yeah, I mean, come on. <laughs> you haven't experienced it yet. Racism, <clears throat> racism versus racing. Yeah, yeah. okay. <laughs> it's a different scale. <laughs> uh, two stars by uh, Miotes Mezzanino. Oh my God, I can't even say that name. Uh, July or June twentieth, twenty twenty. It's wacky races, but Dick Dastardly is the fascist state. And you were the one who uh, brought this up to me because I don't actually know what wacky races is. Yeah, it's a uh, Hanna-Barbera cartoon. I remember it fondly as a child. Fondly. <laughs> yeah. That Hong Kong fooey. Yeah. yeah. I'll bring it up later, but it's uh, it was uh, it had a lot of similarities. Perfect. I can't wait to see where Hanna-Barbera fits in. Uh, another two stars by Dumbro on February 16th, 2020. Cargo Zoom, me go, ah. And this was me immediately after the gravity bong hit. I parked my ass down on my couch and I watched this movie bake the fuck out. And it was it was worth it. I got chills from those engines. 
And uh, finally, two and a half stars by Nathan Dumphy on January 12th, 2020. I'm just bicking back being bull. And that was brazy. And uh, being that this movie is gang affiliated, I'm glad you like the movie Blood. Uh, <laughs> is that what that one's all about? Yeah. Bloods don't use uh, C's. They never say anything with a C in it. So uh, okay. I'm just I'm, I'm letting uh, I guess I'm continuation, uh, a continuation of the congratulations to Little Wayne at the very least. Dad. Let's just light this one up. Let's uh, turn on our spotlights and really just talk about exactly what we want to talk about. What 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 do you have in your spotlight? First off, the animation, um, I loved it. I mean, it was like nonstop eye candy. And the soundtrack, I mean, the dubbing, the whole, I mean, it was an awesome dub. I mean, the, the sound effects, I mean, it really gave you that feel of, mm-hmm. you know, that G4 speed that they were... Uh, pushing out there on the on the racetrack you were uh clipping together the beginning of this episode and i i I was hearing you do it and i was in the other room and the engine sounds sent a a chill down my spine it was pretty crazy yeah it it hooked me right off and uh i was uh bringing up wacky races because immediately when i saw it i well not immediately but then when they were showing like the different teams and stuff there was this hannah barbera cartoon called wacky races and um i fondly remember watching it as a kid mm-hmm. and it had this um one team that was uh, the, like the villain of the whole cartoon was dick dastardly and his dog muttley and the stupid thing about it is they would always set like a trap so the other racers wouldn't win mm-hmm. and the thing of it is is he had this like rocker uh, rocket powered car mm-hmm. and he would always like take off you know in front of everybody, stop, lay down this tr- this trap. Mm-hmm. And, of course, it would always backfire on him, and he never won a race. He <laughs> always came in last place. And uh, it's it's a pretty funny uh, cartoon you should... Uh... Dick Dastardly sounds like he should play uh, should be playing for the Tampa yeah. Bay Vipers. It seems <laughs> yeah, like a name that exactly. I would come up with. you got to love Sweet JP's love of speed. I mean, this guy is just an adrenaline junkie. For I sure. Mean, every time he got on something that he would just like, yeah! He just love. Have you ever fast. been in like a car or something going fast and like cheered? Because that happens a lot in movies where they just get so amped up that they're screaming. Like I've never even been close to being. Ah, uh, no, I can't ever remember uh, shouting out like that. But uh, yeah, Wahoo. I have, you know, taken a car at a high speed of rate, but uh, probably not at the rate that JP was. No, you're not topping out no, at almost no. 300 miles no. an hour. I've never had that nitro blast. You you barely go over 55 when I'm yeah, driving. Exactly. <laughs> If anyone knows in my old age here, I've pretty much become one of those, you know. Yeah, you're the geezer behind the wheel now. Yeah, I get passed constantly on the road, and it's embarrassing. Mm-hmm. But anyways, um, and I love how the crowd <laughs> just loses their shit when that shockwave or sonic boom passes through, and then yeah. everybody just like, yeah! And it's just like, yeah, I love that. And... uh What's up with uh, Sonoshi's uh, nickname, Cherry Boy Hunter? Cherry Boy Hunter. Yeah, I don't. Uh, that might be a question for the director. I'm. Yeah. I'm not really quite sure. Maybe Cherry Boy has. I would. I, I assume it's got to deal with you know boys that are virgins or something. But oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, she's popping cherries and yeah, uh, yeah. winning on the racetrack. Yeah. I love that for her. And um, I looked at Old Man Mole, mm-hmm. and I think he might be a, a relative of Kamanji in Spirited Away. 
Kamaji and Spirited Away. Yeah, he's got six oh, arms. Oh, yeah. I yeah. remember. I almost forgot what Spirited Away was. I was like, oh, I crap. mean, he's got the old man look, and uh, I bring this up later, but yeah. I wonder if we could just cast him as the role as Kamaji. Yeah, Kamaji comes out of uh, Spirited Away and yeah. plays old man mole. And uh, JP's Ducktail Pompadour. Beautiful. Yeah. We're going to have to relitigate the uh, crazy hair Rushmore. Yeah, for sure. As one bald man and one balding young man, <laughs> yeah. it's uh, it's uh, all totally, jealousy at this totally, point. Totally jealous. It's tough. And uh, <laughs> I was just laughing when uh, JP pants the uh, Oasis manager. Yeah. And then they cut to the manager crying in the kitchen. She saw everything. And I'm like, man, man up, bitch. Yeah, dude. <laughs> Show her. Yeah. Don't just like be upset about so it. So what? You got pants in front of a woman. Yeah. If you were gonna lay her, uh, if you were gonna, if you were gonna better, you probably would have wanted that to happen anyways. You know, as somebody that actually was the victim of a chronic pantser, you know who used to pants me all the time? No, your your mother. <laughs> really? Yeah. I mean, I guess that she used to think it was the funniest thing. I'd be, you know, I'd have just have like gym shorts on. I'd be in the kitchen. I'd be doing something like you know. She'd always come in and she's like, come behind me, pants me, and then walk off, giggle her ass off, and I'm just sitting there, you know, bare ass, and I'm just like, come on now. Yeah, that's you should have just not put the pants on for the rest of the day. It's like, no. yeah, jokes on you. I'm the one who's. <laughs> but after a while, I could feel that, like, I could just tell when she was coming up from behind, and I just knew the pantsing was coming. And uh, yeah. of course, I would catch her in the in the act. But well, considering that you're probably uh, the the one person in my life whose ass crack I've seen more than anybody else, <laughs> I think maybe you should invest in a belt if that was such yeah, a problem. Yeah, that's that's another problem. But <clears throat> it's okay. It's okay. And uh, that's um, pretty much all I got. All right. Well, I, I have uh, I have only two. And my first one is just, I love the, the cast of this race. It's a great ensemble. Uh, but really, the relationship between uh, Mickey and Todoroki really stood out to me. And it was really just one scene. Like, obviously, the, the gory rider, you motherfucker, is kind of funny. But when um, Mickey and Todoroki are riding on the back of uh, gory riders, uh, whatever it's called, and they're they're finally ready to get out of uh, underground. It's like you're the man, Mickey. You're the man. I know. I know. He's just <laughs> yeah. screaming at it. Yeah. And that's. I mean, you got to find a wingman who's who's just screaming and you know hyping you up like that because yeah. I too would be screaming. I know. I know. If uh, Mickey was there by my side. Yeah, that's funny. And I really just wanted to kind of spotlight the "I love you" ending. Uh, I'm trying to kind of understand. When exactly is the right time to say I love you, especially in TV shows and movies, because it seems like it happens quicker than it should. Or I just don't know, like what the the statue of limitations is like. How how long do these people have to know each other to say I love you? And ultimately, I have to think that whatever happened in that cockpit was probably more intimate than sex. And, you know, I'm going to relitigate their sex lives, uh, maybe in my my (laughs) sequel a little bit later. Oh, I expect you to yeah as i've kind of noted (laughs) uh dad did you have any takeaways or any unintentional lessons from this movie well beware of cyborgs and robots for sure i mean ultimately they're they're going to be plotting against us i mean everyone's got the fear of the ai and uh this movie sort of brings that to light i mean the president of the robo world start states that they are a planet of peace while simultaneously stating that they will destroy anyone landing on their planet. Yeah. And they're yeah. harboring bioweapons. So yeah, exactly. It's a little ironic. Yeah. You got to 
definitely be you know aware that cyborgs and robots are mm-hmm. they're coming for us. You have to align your political messaging, <laughs> and uh, you know don't expect to get great customer service in a demilitarized zone. Yeah, <laughs> the old lady who steals his money for yeah. uh, what a half pack of cigarettes. Yeah, it's gonna be pretty savage out there. She did end up betting on him, so you know at least he made a good impression. Yeah. And uh, be careful when ordering spaghetti on alien planets. You might not be uh, getting what you're expecting. Or just ordering, you know, if you're ordering anything on an alien planet, to think that it's probably going to be like a dish you'd get at Olive Garden is pretty presumptuous. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> the never-ending worm bowl. Last but not least, everyone is smitten by love, as love conquers all. As we've, we've seen in some of these movies, and yes. I believe that's true. Uh, as for my takeaways, you know, I have a, a tendency, obviously porn has just ruined my brain so much that I, I usually think of these things as some sort of lesson in sex. Uh, and right off the bat, it's okay to stop when things get too fast. And I can't tell you how many times I, I've gone a little bit too fast and I've winded myself and I just didn't want to do it anymore. Kind of like the, uh, the pursuers of, uh, all the racers. So slow things down. It's a lot more intimate. Uh, another takeaway I had was sometimes the haters have a point. If the person who is hating on you engages in three-way kisses in front of you, maybe that's the person you do want to listen to because they seem to be able to at least achieve the one thing every man wants. Uh, (laughs) this might be my favorite. Um, if you're going to be investing your time and money into something, make sure it's good for at least three loads. (laughs) That's just smart decision making, baby. If you're yeah. gonna invest all that, you gotta know. Forget about the two loads. Gotta be three. It's gotta be three. Yeah. Uh, if you promise you're gonna get your girl to the finish line, you better do it, and you should also kiss her and say "I love you" after. That's just being a gentleman. JP, JP is the gentleman's of gentlemen. And then finally, it's never too early to say "I love you," but only if you're hot. And <laughs> this is pretty much uh, the number one rule of most things in American society. You can pretty much get away with anything you want when you're hot. Which uh, which is too bad for me. <laughs> yeah, that's that's true. Yeah, if only I had a, you know, a chiseled jaw and a great pompadour hair. <laughs> Dad, we've reached the question section of our podcast. Are you uh, are you feeling good heading into what will be uh, I guess our coin flip decision here? Yeah, I'm feeling really good. Okay, after last week, uh, absolutely <laughs> pooping on the field, we're <laughs> we're coming out feeling fresh. Well, it wasn't a total. Well, you know, a pick six to end the game. Yeah. That was tough. Well, yeah. Huey Gooch Smoocher O'Doyle was in your mentions, and he was not being nice. Well, let's uh, let's just jump right into it, Dad. Entry number one. Being that Japan is known for producing some of the world's most influential animations, one would think that Redline's inspiration may lie in its own country's history. But during a dual interview with director Koike and head writer Katsuhito Ishii, it was revealed that this was not the case. I really like the novel Flanagan's Run, said Ishii, and I wondered if we couldn't use that as a kind of basis. Right now, it's out of print, so it's hard to get a hold of, but it's really interesting. After the war, a bunch of people from different countries around the world have a foot race from Los Angeles to New York. It's a race to see who's the best from each country, and while these racers traverse America, a lot of different stuff happens. It's a really interesting book. Entry number two. From an early age, director Takashi Koike was considered a talented young artist, but it was only after receiving recognition from a middle school teacher that he gained the industry's attention. After his drawings were spotlighted by a teacher whose brother worked as an animator at Madhouse, Koike was contacted by director Yoshiaki Kawari himself. 
Soon after their conversation, Koike dropped out and began working as an animator under Kawari. Entry number three. While director Koike worked as Kawari's protege for many years, their personal and working relationship took a bit of a turn for the worst after Koike began to date and subsequently break the heart of Kawari's daughter, Azumi. In the lead-up to Redline's release, Koike spoke to Zimmeret Entertainment about the state of their former friendship. Kawari-san doesn't answer my calls anymore, and he hasn't since my, his daughter and I called it quits. We dated for two years and I gave it my best shot, but in the end I wasn't happy, and the production of the movie had really started to take a toll on me. I had to choose one or the other, and I chose Redline. And then final entry. Over the years, director Koike has cited comic book writer Frank Miller as a major influence on his artistic style. But in an interview with Gigazine in 2014 while doing press for the release of Lupin III, Jiggins' Gravestone, Koike recounted an interaction he had with his former idol during an animation convention in 2011. I was in Los Angeles for the international release of Redline, he said, and there was an animation convention being held near my hotel. I found out that Mr. Miller would be speaking at one of the panels, and I was compelled to buy a ticket. After a few hours and some time spent in line, I finally had the chance to speak to him. As you can imagine, I was very nervous, and my English wasn't its best at the time, but I tried to tell him that I was an artist too. Things were a little awkward after that. He made what I thought was a rude comment about my English, and overall, the rest of the interaction left a sour taste in my mouth. I would be lying if I said it didn't change how I felt about him. Dad, off the flip. What do you think is a lie? I'm going to say the uh, the middle school teacher thing. You don't think nah. Director Koike was working at Madhouse as nah, a 13-year-old? Yeah, he dropped out of middle school and then you know went right into animation. Mm -hmm. Well, is that your fan final answer? Yeah. That is incorrect. Or it is, you know, a lie. A lie. Uh, he actually dropped out, not dropped out, he finished high school and he went right into Madhouse. So I only, you know, bumped it back to middle school just to make it seem a little more crazy. But he'd get recognition in high school? Uh, no, no, no. Okay. It wasn't anything about the okay. teacher. But he was, uh, you know, Yoshiaki Kawari's protege. And I've never heard of the novel Flanagan to Run. Mm -hmm. um, I've heard about Flanagan's rules but <laughs> <laughs> i don't know what that is oh it was from cocktail oh okay well not flanagan's. oh flanagan's rules yeah no, i don't think it was flanagan's it was the other guy but anyways um yeah i think that one's a lie too is that your final answer yes that is the truth sorry it was uh you know that was a direct quote katsuhito ishii was saying that he apparently just wanted to use this old american novel it came back out in like this 70s 60s i don't know it was a long time ago but that was his uh inspiration for i guess how he modeled the movie a foot race from los angeles to new york come on yeah and the daughter thing was uh completely made up and what was the other one the the frank uh, miller? i like the frank miller one that's what i thought was the truth yeah well considering that frank miller is is come under fire uh as of recent years for being somewhat of a bigot at least in, in certain time periods i don't know how he feels now although i thought it was unlikely that he would make fun of his English. Yeah. <laughs> well, he wasn't a Muslim, and that seems to be Frank Miller's uh, target. Oh, practice. that is uh, his problem. Unfortunately, okay. yeah. Well, uh, that looks like the other team is going to go up three points, Dad, so we're already down, uh, but we're going to head right into where you paying attention. And as I introduced him last week, I'm not alone here. I'm going to be having uh, a co-host be uh, essentially breaking down this game. Let's go send it down over to Seattle and see what uh, my friend is up to.
Welcome inside the broadcast booth, everybody. I'm Joe Buck, coming to you live from Lumen Field in Drizzly, Seattle, Washington. We're anticipating a great game between the Seattle Dragons and the Tampa Bay Vipers, where XFL newcomer Patrick Vanellitane Erskine looks to bounce back after a disastrous debut against the Defenders. But he'll be staring down the barrel this week against another tough defense and superstar linebacker Chud Krispy Kreme Crothers. Back to you, Drew. <laughs> Krispy Kreme Crothers. Wow. Yeah. Crazy how all these people have nicknames. It seems like that's just like the thing in the XFL. But uh, I digress. I don't know. I don't think I don't feel like I'm, I'm fearing a guy that's, uh, you know, associated with Krispy Kreme. Well, uh, there's... I think he's going to be a little chunky. Slow. <laughs> well, let's just see how fast he pursues the quarterback, because he might be on your ass. Yeah, he might be. We're entering the first half, and this is question number one. The yellow line race in the home of the dog racer Bonds takes place on what planet? Is it A, Sophia, B, Marco, C, Dorothy, or D, Toto? Ah, this is an easy one. Dorothy. All right, Joe, what's going on? Thanks, Drew. As Erskine approaches the line, I did want to inform our audience that we have breaking news. I'm hearing from our sideline reporters that the Dragons are pulling no punches for Petrick's return to Seattle and have even shuttled in a group of prostitutes from the inner city <laughs> to shake the former Seahawks' composure. All right, Drew, first play of the game, and Petrick's got a determined look in his eye. He's staring down the Seattle sideline. The ball is snapped. Petrick's looking cool in the pocket, and he's going to air it out. Oh, what an arm. He's got a man with the sweet hands. Tyson, I live with my mama Floyd for the big gain. 44 yards and a first down for the Vipers. Take that, Krispy Kreme Crothers. I saw you coming, and I just unleashed the bomb. Yeah, you uh, pump faked it at his nuts, yeah. and he got scared. <laughs> he's seen that that move before. Yeah, I heard that you were, uh, yeah. you were aiming for nut sacks. All right, that's a good start. We have a chance to score with the second one, so I hope you're ready. When we are first introduced to Sonashi McLaren, she is shown wearing a polo with what numbers on the front? Is it A, 23, B, 78, C, 45, or D, 66? Yeah, the, um, 7, 8, I mean, those things were... You know, up in front. Hard to miss. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's see if you're right, Joe. What's going on? Drew Erskine is looking to capitalize on the big first play. The offense is spread out, and Erskine's in the gun with juicy thighs Ricardo in the backfield. Erskine takes the snap, and it's play action. The linebackers bite, and now Erskine's got the defense on his heels, and it's with good reason. He's got the big tight end streaking down the sideline. Erskine throws a cold rope and is caught. Meep, meep, Gorilla Grip Godwin with a big gain. Toe tipping for a touchdown in the back of the end zone. Erskine is a You like that? You like that? He's taunting the hookers, running up and down the sideline. Drew, you love to see it. Yeah, that was perfect. That was uh, exactly what I thought you were going to do, is you were going to point down all those people saying you have a... Uh, there you go. Bring on the hookers. I don't care. Yeah. I am freaking... <laughs> Focus today. Yeah. Your asshole smells great. No one's going to tell you otherwise. <laughs> it will just spit up all your wine. All right. Question number three. During their first meeting, Sonashi discloses the JP that she received her steam light at what age? Is it A, four, B, five, C, six, or D, seven? Ooh. 
think she would be too young at four, five. I'm going to go with seven. All right, Joe, what's going on? Drew Erskine and the Vipers offense are looking to make a big play before halftime after a costly interception by the Milkman. <laughs> the Milkman? I forgot to mention that he is the quarterback of the other team. <laughs> <laughs> It is, uh... <laughs> Why do they call him the Milkman? Because he delivers? He definitely <laughs> delivers. Mickey, the Milkman Manhattan with an interception. But I digress. Costly interception by the Milkman. The Vipers are now out for blood. With not much time left in the clock, the Vipers are at the Dragons 40 with Erskine back in the gun. Vanilla Taint takes the snap and the Dragons are bringing the house, but Erskine looks cool as a cucumber. He sidesteps the defender. Juicy Thighed Ricardo picks up a block, and Erskine is going to throw a laser beam down the seam. It's caught! It's caught, and he's got room! Touchdown, Ishmael, gumdrop nipples Wallace. Erskine is really filling himself, and I'm no lip reader, but it looks like Petrick is asking the sideline, how his ass tastes now? Yeah. A true return to form for the talented journeyman. Dad, we're uh, we're heading into halftime after uh, a pretty uh, action-packed first half. I mean, it's fourteen to three. What do you? Uh... I mean, I came home specifically early. I mean, I did make a trip to the strip bar, but I mean, I was <laughs> leaving like at around nine thirty. I mean, I got the TB twelve book out, yeah. and I'm like going, "Hey, if I want to play for the Patriots, I gotta you know step it up." You were adhering to COVID protocol with a mask in the yeah. strip club, trying yeah. to not get the paparazzi on you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, that seemed to be our halftime interview, so we're just going to jump right into the second half. Uh, question number four. The Superboins have a brand new single. What is the name of their song? Is it A, Zooming Gears, B, Hot Wheels, C, Gotta Go Fast, or D, Bump and Grind? I remember this one. Zooming Gears. All right, Joe, what's going on? Drew, the score is 14-3, and the Vipers are hoping to start the second half strong. As always, Erskine's in the gun. Juicy thighs beside him, and he takes the snap. Patrick hands the ball off to Ricardo, but there's man coming back the other way. It's a reverse to Otto Erotic Asphyxiation Tunnel, and he's the fastest <laughs> man on the field. He's going to scamper around the corner. He's going to make it some moves, and he's going to be bounced out of bounds. 30-yard gain for the Vipers. Wow. Otto Erotic Asphyxiation Tunnel. With a reverse. What a what a play by your yeah, team, dude. That's that's a crazy nickname. You wonder why. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't wonder why. Yeah, he got caught in the locker room with a belt around his neck, yeah. choking the chicken. <laughs> uh or letting the the, the air out of the Surprised he's on the field right now. He's <laughs> a little lightheaded. Yeah. Uh question number five. As soon as she discovers JP's shady pass while watching television, we see his mugshot and his age. How old is Sweet JP? Is it A, 27, B, 28, C, 29, or D, 30? I'm going to go with 29. I'm hoping he hasn't kick, kicked over to 30. All righty, Joe, back to you. Drew, there's not a lot going on. Erskine can't seem to get the ball moving on this drive, and it was another three and out. And it doesn't look like the Milkman will be able to do much either. Yeah. Mick Manhattan is looking tough. So it looks like we escaped that one. Uh, and we, I guess, have a chance for a, a, a field goal on those last questions since you got number one yeah. right. But we're, we're in a position. What was to his age? Win. He was 28. Yeah. 
Yeah. You had a chance to throw to uh, Leon Donkey Dick Digsby for a touchdown. but <laughs> Donkey Dick. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Final question. Uh, during the red line race, the charismatic Mickey and Todoroki ride on the back of Gory Rider's vehicle as he burrows through RoboWorld. What is the name of Gory Rider's ride? Is it A, Godwing, B, Semimaru, C, Gorilla Tank, or D, Speedmaster? Well, I know it's not Godwing. I'm going <laughs> to gonna say Gorilla Tank. Gorilla Tank? Alrighty. Joe, how are we going to end this game? Drew, the Vipers are in scoring range, and this looks like Erskine's last chance to stick it to the city who turned him away. Vanilla Tain assumes the position under center and hikes the ball. It's a handoff left, but look, it's another reverse. Auto erotic asphyxiation tunnel is coming back the other way, and he's going to throw. It looks as who's wide open. Patrick Vanilla Tain is going to catch the ball in stride. Oh, but he's pushed out right before oh. he's about to score. And it looks like they're going to send the field goal unit out for... Another win for the Vipers. It's going to be 17-3. to Wow. We we escaped with that one. You almost pulled off the Philly special. but Did uh, I, It was Gorilla Tank, though, right? It was Gorilla Tank. Yeah, yeah, but I was only up for a field goal. I get it. Yeah, since you got one and three right, it was uh, one of those one of those situations. But, you know, you pulled through. It was yeah. it was good. Uh, well, we're, we're walking out of here with our, uh, definitely not our tails between our legs. F you, Seattle. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck you, Seattle, <laughs> and all of the hookers you brought with you, because Patrick is coming No, out no, of no, no. Way. Keep the hookers there, but hey, F you. Yeah. Just don't say anything mean about me on Instagram. <laughs> but we're back yeah. in the locker room. We're celebrating with our teammates. We're feeling good. We're, uh, drinking a little more Gatorade wine, maybe a little more than we should, because I can't certainly talk. And, uh, we're going to play a little Would You Rather to cool down. You ready, Dad? Yep. All righty. Would you rather only eat peanuts for the rest of your life? And I'm talking salty racetrack peanuts. And that's it. There's no peanut butter. There's no peanut anything. It's just peanuts. That's what I got to live off? Live off. Yes. Water and peanuts. Or become a never nude who only wears leather. And I don't know if you know what a never nude is, but it's somebody who never is nude, even in the shower. And you have to wear leather socks, leather underwear. Leather pants, leather shirt. It's your whole outfit. Or you're I living up. Never peanuts. pull off the leather. Uh no. You're I will a never, never nude. see skin again. You're a never nude. You're afraid of your own body. <laughs> never nude. Yeah. Um I don't know if man can live off peanuts alone. And um Yeah, what the hell? I'm never nude. <laughs> <laughs> Got to eat something other than peanuts. Yeah, yeah. It, it'll be tough in the uh, the summer when you're just sweating balls, but yeah. maybe you can uh, pack something down there, some toilet paper or yeah. something to sop it all up. I probably I couldn't eat the peanuts either. I got awful canker sores when uh, you know too much salt is on anything. So it looks like I'm I'm strapping <laughs> yeah, on the leather too. You would definitely have you know problems with heart disease or something after that, or high blood pressure, whatever. That's true. Your your arteries are gonna be shot to shit. Uh, all right, second question. Would you rather live as a dog person or live with dog people as your neighbors? So imagine you're essentially like one of the uh, inhabitants of Planet Dorothy. You're like a dog person. You have a, a, you know, a hairy muzzle. You got the big fluffy ears. Like You're a straight up dog who walks around and talks. Or you're the only human in an all dog person community. And they're fucking just like barking at one another. They're... <laughs> <laughs> you know, chasing after cars. Every time you leave the house, they're all running after you. It's a madhouse there. Um, so I can't leave. 
I got to live there for the rest of my life? Uh, let's say that you have to live there at least for a year, for sure. You have to test out the neighborhood enough to... <laughs> the bank is not going to give you your money back. <laughs> well, if that's the case, I mean, why would I want to be a dog person? I don't know. You could probably suck your own dick. Or at least lick it. Yeah, bonus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if not the only one. You have great eyesight. You know, you can hear really well. I mean, I don't see what the problem is being the only human in Dogtown. Yeah. Unless, of course, they're, you know. They're redlining you. Yeah. <laughs> they're discriminating against you. Chasing me around the around the freaking neighborhood. That's tough. Yeah. Well, uh, I, I guess I would probably just want to be a, a person in Dogtown because I feel like you could pretty easily like manipulate the whole town to kind of be on your side. Yeah. You give you just a few... have to give them a couple scratches behind the ears and stuff like that. You'd probably be pretty popular. Actually. Yeah, you'd probably be like everyone's best friend. It's like, yeah. yo, dude, Dave's out here. <laughs> Do you think he's going to throw the Frisbee to us? Oh, yeah, you'd bring out the ball. Like, all of a sudden, you'd see everybody staring at you like, ah, you'd yeah. be like hey, hey, guys, come here. <laughs> <laughs> I love the idea of like your neighbor coming over with like a frisbee or a ball in his mouth. He's like, "Yo, you want to hang out? Like, try to chill." Yeah, I think that's the right answer. There's no way I want to be a dog person. No, unless I'm like you know Brian and Family Guy's you know having sex, but I don't think I could pull it off. Uh, question number three: Would you rather make the minimum speed limit 85 miles per hour, or every time you go over 20, you get an awful, awful nosebleed? And I'm talking like your shirt's kind of covered, like you're uh, profusely bleeding. Or you're going to have to, as soon as you get on the road, you have to hit 85. And you live in a mountain town, which might be difficult. Yeah, that's going to be real difficult. I cannot do 85. <laughs> I don't think you can reach the, it no. with that Kia Soul or no, whatever you get. Rondo. No, Rondo. Yeah, no, that, that's going to be tough. Um, of course, I'm going to get, I mean, I get passed all the time now, so. Yeah. <laughs> 20, I mean, that that's tough, too, but... You might just pass out. If someone's going to pass you, and you're going to be unconscious. Yeah. But I, I'll definitely be, you know, dead with an 85 speed limit. Mm -hmm. There's no way. Can't keep it on the road. Yeah. I, I can't imagine it ever working for me to, you know, be bleeding out of my nose every time I drive my car. So I guess depending, at least on my situation, I would probably pick the 85. What if you're a passenger in the car? Um, like you're taking an Uber. <laughs> I'm going to say, like, you... hey, man, don't go over 20. We're on the highway. What you're going to have a really bad problem right now. Yeah, I'm going to get your white leather seats covered in blood because I can't fucking take it. The G-force of 20 miles an hour is too much for me. <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that'll that be tough. I don't think uh, I wouldn't allow that uh, for your your question. I'm not going to allow you to just take an Uber to get out of it. Any I sort think of I'm going to own a bike. Yeah. <laughs> a strong 15 to yeah. get anywhere you need. All right. Would you rather brush your teeth with cocaine every morning and every night or bet your life savings on the Daytona 500? <laughs> and you, I don't know if you know anything about racing, but you're just going to have to pick a racer and hopefully that pays out for you. Or, you know... You you got the big brick of cocaine right next to your toothpaste. You fucking <laughs> drizzle a little on. Yeah, that's tough. I feel that you would definitely just be devoid of teeth. <laughs> yeah, you're probably not going to be sleeping if you're going to be uh, putting it on at night, too. I mean, I guess I don't really know how long a cocaine buzz uh, lasts. I personally haven't done it. 
I wouldn't even know where to start. If you were to just show me like a list of Daytona 500 drivers, I'd be fucked. Well, I would have a, a slight clue, but that's still freaking long shot. Yeah. I look for Jeff Gordon and notice that he's announcing the yeah, games. Yeah, what the hell? I'll bet on the Daytona. Wow. I mean, maybe I'll get lucky. I mean, it's not the worst odds. Yeah, yeah. I guess it's either being addicted to cocaine or fucking... <laughs> nah. That's going to end badly for you. I for mean, sure. if you, you you just become poor. Yeah. I mean, not that you become poor. You just your savings are gone. So yeah, in this situation, instead of bringing all those uh, pallets of cocaine to London, you just kept it at the house. <laughs> You're <laughs> finding ways to use it. Uh, all right. Would you rather be constantly hounded by the paparazzi or have all the cops replaced by aggressive robocops who are? Uh, I don't really know how much worse you can be, but they're definitely not going to be the best cops. Well, I'll tell you, those robocops are mean for sure i mean they got they, laser beams yeah i mean they just come in and there's no like you know stop halt i mean it just they just start firing yeah <laughs> <laughs> just for you know simple gambling bet you yeah know? they just start destroying people it's a um, traffic stop and they fucking blow out your yeah, head they just start throwing laser beams at you um well if i was constantly hounded by paparazzi it probably means i'm somewhat famous or infamous or infamous yeah <laughs> What, like a serial killer or something? Ah, uh, you know, I mean, you could be infamous for a lot of reasons, but... Yeah. Well, I'm going to go with the fact that I'm, you know, like a rock star or something. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully I can monetize the fact that the paparazzi are all over me. But I'm talking about they're, like, pulling up to your house, like, fucking banging on your doors. Like, David, David, come out! At the same point, all cops are replaced with robocops. I mean, as long as you're not breaking the law, it's not really going to affect you. Yeah. and I mean, I guess AI is already kind of racist, so... Maybe that would also not really play yeah. out well for a certain demographic. Uh, <laughs> would you rather have violence be the only thing that gets you hot? So you're kind of like the dude from 8mm. You're just fucking, you know, stabbing, punching, whatever it is. That's the only thing that gets your rocks off anymore. Yeah, that was a funny scene. Yeah, where it just randomly cuts that away to like, a... The only thing gets me hot violence or something like that. Yeah, almost verbatim. Uh, or would you rather have to give your house to a refugee? So uh, a Syrian refugee kind of pulls up on the shore of wherever, walks straight to your house and say, I'm here to cash in my my housing voucher. This is America, right? And you're going to have to give it to him. Or, like I said, you're uh, going to have to very severely change how the way you, you think about sex. Wow. Homeless or violence. <laughs> <laughs> and i'm not just talking about like light choking or a slap on the cheek like this is real <laughs> uh i guess i'm gonna have to give my house away i mean i can't see how violence is the only thing that gets you hot yeah i mean in terms of the violence that you're suggesting yeah yeah i guess that's like more abuse than you're just it is. not like, talking about that like you know Subtle choke. No. <laughs> Subtle choke. <laughs> you're not giving... You're giving that Shinji. You're, yeah. you're fully gripped. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't technically own the house that I live in, so I don't know if it's really uh, up to me to just give it away, but maybe they'll be able to pay the rent because... Yeah, it would be tough for me, but... Yeah. I don't think I have the stomach to give my girl uh, uh, two black eyes and a bukkake in the same night. <laughs> it doesn't seem like that's in my future. Uh, would you rather have all your pants... Have your place of business across the ass, but you have uh, some internal butt padding. So it's like a, a big, juicy ass, but you have 
you know, your, your place of business across the back on all of them. Or uh, someone tries to pants you whenever you leave the house. <laughs> so it could be your boss. It could be a random dude at the grocery store. But someone's coming for those trousers and they can see your ass crack and they're like, yeah, but it's only when you leave your house. Your boss is not your house. Well, oh, as you leave your house, all of a sudden your boss is hiding in the bushes. Well, no, I'm just saying like you leave the house and someone's coming for you. Like as soon as you're out in the open, you're fair game. People are hunting you down. Well, you know what I'm going to say? I'm going to just like smack that guy down. You're going to smack him down. <laughs> you will not pants me. Yeah, I guess. Uh... I mean, no, I mean, I don't care. Yeah, my business across my ass. So I got a advertisement on my clothing. Yep. Yep, and it makes it look uh, like you have a big juicy butt too, <laughs> which I, I don't know if you've ever experienced in your life, but you'll you'll feel it today. Yeah, I'm gonna have to go there because I just don't want to have to deal with, you know, fighting this pants person. Yeah, <laughs> swatting them away. Yeah. All right, that's fair. Would you rather be indebted to a mob boss or join the Space Force Army? So. The second one is is kind of a a little ambiguous. I mean, we don't technically know if we have a threat, but you're going to be shot up into space to uh, hopefully defend the planet. So I'd be part of Trump's space force. Yeah, yeah, it's going to continue uh, into the the Biden administration, and yeah. they're they're going to hold strong. They're the only thing that, that Biden brings over. Like, yeah, yeah, I like that idea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Biden probably can't even fucking figure it out. He's just like, oh yeah, space, space force. force. Yeah. Uh. Yeah, I don't want to be in indebted to a mob boss that that seems like that's a bad idea yeah a t- tony soprano figure is and, only going to uh, take you out after i a while. don't know what's the salary for a space force <laughs> let's say it's like thirty five thousand dollars. that's it it's not <laughs> how much do soldiers get paid i have no idea yeah i don't know either. but maybe if you can you know pull 20 years in space force you can probably get a pretty good pension yeah they'll, they'll put you up on a house on the moon yeah. and that's your retirement fund <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm uh, I'm probably going to join the Space Force. There's no way I'm going to I'm going to take fucking orders from a mob boss. No. Nope. Uh we got two of these left. Dad, would you rather become a half human, half car hybrid? So imagine you and your your Kia Rondo are just morphed together and you're almost like a centaur, uh but <laughs> half Kia. <laughs> or you have to grow a fat pair of tits and you can't get them removed or reduced. So you have a uh, a pair of Sonashi knockers. Oh man! So you got man boobs? Not just man boobs. Like they're just oh, fully they're functioning. Up. Yes, fat, fat, fat titties. Oh boy! Or you're a, a a car centaur. Yeah, that's that's pretty freakish. Well, it's the same thing as Machine Head Tetsujin or yeah. Tetsujin. You probably have to like build a a garage on well, the side yeah, of the house. Well, yeah, but at least he, you know, he gets fame through winning the red line. I mean, is there any? benefit to me being a half car hybrid <laughs> i mean you could get famous off of that you make one tiktok as a, a half hybrid half car and you're you're fucking made for life i mean i guess the same thing for having a fat pair well of he tans, wasn't but... really a car per se he was sort of a melding of human and car mm. like he became one in the car became one in the same or something the question still stands um Hey, what the hell? I mean, I don't want to have these big fat ass titties. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, honestly, I uh mm, I I can't imagine that I'd be okay with being a car. And I see a world where if I shave my chest, I could probably make some money off the tits. 
I mean, Metalhead seemed pretty happy. But he could actually disconnect. I'm saying you're stuck. As the oh, you're saying I'm like some kind of weird... You're a centaur. Like, you're a car centaur. That's <laughs> what I'm saying to you. All right. Well, if you put it that way, then... You're living outside. You have to... I mean, you don't have to need gas, but, you know... Yeah. I guess I'm going to be wearing a bra. <laughs> or a big sweatshirt. <laughs> yeah. Behind those things. Oh, that's funny. All right. Finally, our, our final would you rather... Would you rather have nitro randomly injected into your car or wear a cheap cigar face mask? So imagine yourself almost like a, a Bane type figure with with two cheap cigars on either side and you're always breathing in tobacco. Or whenever you hop in the Rondo, at any one moment, uh, a shot of nitro can be, be shot into it. <laughs> well, I even think a little nitro in a Rondo ain't going to... It's not going to really... Yeah, it might just blow the car up. I don't think it can only go to a certain speed. <laughs> 50. <laughs> yeah. As long as I'm not uh, taking the you know the mountain roads here. But mm -hmm. yeah, why not? I don't... I mean, I can't be inhaling cheap cigar smoke my whole life. Yeah, I don't think I'd be able to uh, manage that either. So I guess the, the Camry is going to get a little bit of a speed boost. Hopefully it's not any <laughs> any sort of crazy terrain. But uh, Dad, we're we're heading out of the locker room. We're feeling good. We're hoping to, you know, continue this out somewhere else. And we're we're also looking forward. We're looking forward not only to the next game, but we're looking past where the the movie left these characters. Dad, we're gonna play a little Ghibli all grown up. What is your potential sequel idea? Okay. Well, mine's sort of a it's a sequel, you know, slash post credits type of thing. Okay. And uh, to begin with. Uh, we just want to talk about Frisbee. Unfortunately, he can't escape the mob. And he's gunned down in broad daylight after the red line. Oh, no. Yeah. That's awful. Yeah. He just, you know. Once you're in it, you're in yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. He uh, he met an untimely death, unfortunately. <laughs> R.I.P. Frisbee. Yeah. JP's win brings unprecedented notoriety to the intergalactic racing. Mm -hmm. So uh, JP and uh, Sanoshi are obviously in love. And they, you know, quickly get married. And shortly after, Sonashi becomes pregnant. Great. And she's sidelined from racing for the time being, obviously. And with a baby on the way, JP realizes that he needs to also think about his future in racing. He, being a speed junkie, knows he can't give up racing. Mm -hmm. So he decides to start a new racing organization. Where the cars don't, you know, possess weapons and are more in line with his type of car, like the Trans Am, you know, twenty thousand. Mm -hmm. And he wants to, he wants it just to be more about, you know, just pure speed and racing skill, no gimmicks. Mm -hmm. This starts the formation of Gas Car, ooh, the Galactic Association of Stock Car Auto Racing. Wow, you <laughs> got the acronyms out. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. And uh, the initial reaction is, you know, hey, this is not going to work. I mean, people love the violent nation of the red line. Hmm. But the red line takes place every five years. So gradually, gas car starts picking up fans. Now, the red line continues to have its fans, but with a certain amount of danger removed from racing, this brings a whole new generation of race car drivers and with it, a whole new fan base. As a result of that, Planet Supergrass promotes a whole team of skimpily clad women racers. I'm in. Yep. And when the team wins a race, they create quite a spectacle. 
with the team dousing each other in champagne. Wow. Yeah. This is definitely a movie I want to see. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Flight of Supergrass is tight. Yeah. And uh, believe it or not, the whole crew from Hanna-Barbera's Wacky Rick just comes on board. Are they just from, they have to be from a different universe. Yeah, they somehow get, you know, catch wind of it. And uh, they're brought on. <laughs> catch wind. <laughs> See it on social media. They're yeah. Like, oh, wow. And uh, Dick Dastardly and Muttley are instantly banned for secretly outfitting their car with stealth weapons because no weapons are allowed. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously JP is Gascar's biggest star. And with the help of old man Mole, he learns how to harness the power of steam light and initially dominates the circuit. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, his domination uh, eventually is mitigated when the band Dick Dastardly steals his secret designs and sells them to all the drivers. Dick Dastardly becomes JP's nemesis from here on out. Fucking Dick Dastardly. Yeah, yeah. Dick. Yeah, <laughs> literally. Um, old man Mole can talk... <laughs> Old Man Mole contacts his brother, Kamanji. Oh, perfect. Yeah. And uh, he convinces him to join him in uh, producing race cars. So, you know, Kam- Kamanji comes on board. and uh, But at the same point, Kamanji's like, wow. The, you know, he sees an opportunity here in the concession side of things. And he starts a side business selling roasted newts. I bet it's a huge hit. Yeah. Insanely <laughs> rich due to their addictive nature. Wow. Yeah. Another new <laughs> roasted nude reference. Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, and uh, Sonashi does get back into racing at some point. Starts her own fashion clothing line, colored hair products, and sunglasses line. Good for her. Yeah, and um, with the revelation that RoboWorld was creating various weapons of destruction, a backlash against cyborgs takes place. It leads to various acts of violence against cyborgs. Oh no. And in turn, this starts a cyborg protest and a CLM movement. Cyborg Lives Matter. Machine Machine Head becomes their leading spokesman. Okay. Yeah. He's the Dore uh, McKesson of the CLM movement. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, Mickey and uh, Todoro. Mm -hmm. Todoroki. Todoroki. Uh, They sue uh, Gory Rider in a civil suit. And settle, <laughs> settle for an undisclosed amount, which funds their startup of their own show centered around Gascar, where they comically flatter each other. Oh, yeah. okay. They also promote the defending, uh, or the, no, they promote the defunding of police, which causes some backlash from the sponsors. Well, you know, that, that, that's to be expected. But. Yeah. And then uh, we just get an update about JP's son. Ooh. He grows up just like his dad becomes a racer and his nickname is tweet jp jr tweet yeah because of his constant harassing of fellow drivers on twitter <laughs> <laughs> he's a troll yes he is that sucks for jp uh, that's all i got you know yeah uh him him his son being a twitter troll is is almost the saddest ending it could be but probably we all have our uh, dark moments on the internet i suppose well, for my uh, my sequel, it's going to open up five years after the end of the first movie. Following the events of the first film, the universe is in a state of turmoil. War rages between RoboWorld and the Galactic Federation after the revelation of Funky Boy, and the interplanetary racing community is in shambles after the mysterious disappearance of Planet Supergrass Princess, which has effectively left the continued uh, red line race out in the state of limbo. 
Things aren't looking great for Sweet JP either. Uh, as we open on a, a funeral for Old Man Mole, who uh, we no. learned. Yeah. <laughs> old Man. He uh, has tragically died in a, a jun- uh, in a junk joint explosion. Kamaji's going to be devastated. Yeah, his brother's definitely going to be at the funeral. Yeah. Uh, JP himself is looking pretty rough. At uh, age 33, you'd think he'd be in the middle of his prime. But after a recent breakup with Sonoshi and now in the process of losing his hair, <laughs> JP has taken a few hard losses in the yellow and blue line, and he feels like he's lost his mojo. At the funeral, we see it's a pretty sparsely attended ceremony. At first, Frisbee and JP are the only faces we recognize. But as the casket is lowered, we see Sonashi off to the side in a funeral dress, showing off probably way too much cleavage and a little bit of midriff for uh, this type of ceremony. But nonetheless, she's looking great. As uh, JP looks at her with expectant eyes, we cut away to a flashback. In a montage-style scene, we see that the relationship kind of got off to uh, a pretty rocky start. And it's revealed during the consummation of their red line victory... The racing isn't the only thing JP does quickly. Uh, while this flashback is interspliced with arguments and moments on the track where the, the competitive nature between the two is really the, the biggest reason why they broke up, uh, the strain of JP's poor performance in bed is, is ultimately the, the, a major factor in their separation. Uh, the image of JP hanging his thinning head as he sits at the edge of the bed is a, a recurring one. And after a trip to the space doctor, we learned that uh, the use of Sonashi's steam light not only stresses his body to the point of losing hair, but JP now suffers from chronic premature ejaculation. It's so, all about speed. Yeah, <laughs> it's got to slow it down. <laughs> uh, the camera cuts back to the funeral service, and we see uh, it's coming to an end. JP and Sonashi share a few words, but Machine Head Tetsujin has arrived, and he's uh, here to pick Sonashi up for a date. And then JP and Frisbee essentially spend the night uh, drinking and reminiscing about Old Man Mole and... You know, JP is just trying not to think about what the heck Machine Gun is or Machine Head is doing to his uh, his former girlfriend. Uh, back at his apartment at the end of the night, we see a drunken JP passed out on the couch. JP is snoring, the TV's on, and without him waking, we see a cloaked figure enter the room. The figure approaches the sleeping JP and steps up on the couch, only to begin thrusting and humping the air, similar to the way the the Superboys were during their uh, their hit single. JP wakes up to see that the person standing over him is a woman. She's nearly naked under her cloak, and she's completely dead-eyed. And only once JP tries to say something does she speak. In a hypnotized voice, the woman tells JP that as one of the co-winners of the previous red line, he is the first to be invited to participate in a secret race across the universe to find the disappeared Supergrass princess. The hypnotized Supergrass acolyte informs JP that there's no finish line, but there is a prize. A magical wish from the princess. Nice. And that she, Bun Buns, would escort him to the race's host planet. After collecting Frisbee and the Trans Am 20,000, the three board Bun Buns ship and travel across the universe, effectively starting a, a rat race style movie as uh, they search for the lost princess. As they make their way to their host planet, we see there's a spark between the uh, now unhypnotized Bun Buns and JP, who was really only put in a trance to uh, invite all the people and to not have any sort of knowledge about where the princess is. Uh, JP's still struggling to come to terms with his, his post-win afflictions and is uh, you know a little bit hesitant to explore his connection with Bun Buns. Uh, he sees the, the magical wish as a chance to fix things, not only with Sonashi, but with himself. I mean, he, he needs to get his shit back together. So when they arrive at the host planet, we uh, quickly learn that JP's not alone. Uh, there's a bunch of other riders, a lot of familiar faces. 
But most importantly, he runs into Sonashi, who was uh, the very next person to be invited. For the sake of time of telling the story, uh, the search of Supergrass takes many twists and turns, uh, and the racers traverse the planet. All the while, to the chagrin of the reappearing Sonashi, JP begins to build a brand new, exciting rapport with Bun-Buns. Eventually, the princess is found, hidden deep inside a cave and preserved inside a crystal cocoon. With the help of his friends, JP is able to secure his prize by crashing straight through the cocoon and releasing the princess. During the wish ceremony, which uh, takes place immediately after, all the racers are, are looking on as JP celebrates with Frisbee and Bun-Buns, and Sonashi approaches him and uh, congratulates him on the victory. And, you know, from her expression, you can kind of see that she's holding back. She wants to say something more, but she, she doesn't feel like it's the right moment. So uh, JP is then asked to make his wish. Uh, and for a moment, he considered his options. After thinking long and hard, he asked the Supergrass princess to bring back Old Man Mole, shocking everyone in the crowd because they know all about uh, JP's uh, recent troubles. So old man mole reappears. He uh, essentially just yawns as almost he woken up from a nap and, you know, Frisbee jumps on top of him. Everyone is just excited to see him again. Then with the utmost confidence and cool, a sign that he's finally regained his mojo. JP approaches not only Bun Buns, but Sonashi standing right next to her. He takes both women in his arms and he dips them both and they share a three way kiss. And he says, Bun Buns, Sonashi, I want to make this work. But let's take things slow this time. <laughs> you thought he was going to use that wish to get his dick back. But. <laughs> uh, sort of, yeah. Yeah, I but, had to throw uh, a curveball. Yeah, I got to give him uh, credit for bringing back old man. It was all in his head. That's the thing. It's all psychosomatic when you're having troubles in the bedroom. You in just got to get. He gets both of them. I mean, both girls. That's, yeah, that's that's great. I wanted I wanted Sweet JP to have what, like I said, every man is dreaming for. Because in the movie, why, you know, he who is he seeing that that character with the two women? I believe it's the mob boss. Is that who it is? Yeah, that's uh, I guess what you're supposed to infer. Um, that he was the inspiration for JP to get into racing, and then eventually, it, you know, their their stories are interconnected. But there's a couple of visual cues that would make you think that he's the guy. Yeah, I didn't make that connection, but I I only really made it uh, in the last like twelve hours, <laughs> but it was it was pretty revolutionary for me. <laughs> Dad, we've we've uh, we're looking for our uh, I guess our chisels now. I mean, we're. We're hoping to put this movie up into a grander context. We're trying to see if it makes it up onto the Rushmore. Uh, but first of all, I mean, you you brought it up in the uh, the beginning. We're going to have to relitigate the ridiculous hair Rushmore for uh, the men. So straight off the bat, does Sweet JP in his pompadour ducktail beat out Javier Bardem, who is uh, Anto Anton Chigur in No Country for Old Men, Chris Tucker as Ruby Rod in Fifth Element, Guile, and Street Fighter 2, who uh, just replaced, I can't even remember, or uh, Will Ferrell as Mugatu and Zoolander. Well, I definitely want to put him up there. Now, the question is, who do we take off? And uh, the more I look at this, you know, Bardem's hair was, you know, sort of stupid, but it wasn't really that ridiculous. Yeah, the bowl cut was not the greatest look, but it's nah. not... I mean, it was a goofy look for him, you mm -hmm. know what I mean? As evil as he was. But it wasn't ridiculous. Yeah, I would agree. I think... I mean, we're talking ridiculous here, so... And there's nothing more ridiculous than, I guess, three-foot-tall hair, yeah. so... I mean, the fact that he can use that, you know, 
DuckTale to win a race, <laughs> that's got to put him up there. I mean, it's also a, a tool for this guy. Yeah. <laughs> he literally, you know, winning by a hair was taken seriously in this movie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm I'm okay with taking uh, Mr. Mister Bardem off this list. Either that or Chris Tucker, because like I had mentioned in the last episode, he does have the sort of uh, projecting hair, but I, I think Chris Tucker beats out Javier uh, in that sense. Yeah. All right. Uh I'm sorry to say it, but Javier Bardem, you can just fuck right off. <laughs> We're putting our sweet JP up on the mountainside. All right, Rushmore number two. Uh, best ensemble cast. Do the racers of Redline beat out the uh, the cast of Avengers Endgame, Magnolia, the Royal Tenenbaums, or Ocean's Twelve? And this is a hard one in my opinion. Yeah, it is. If anything, it'd be Magnolia to go. Or I guess the Royal Tenenbaums, but Ocean's 12 and Avengers Endgame has too much star power in my mind. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to say, I mean, I guess uh, if we're going to put them up there. So you believe they belong up there? No, no, no. Uh, I wouldn't say that. I was just saying the, the Royal Tenenbaums and Magnolia were like the two weaker links of the four, but... I don't think I'm ready. Uh, nah, ready uh, I'm not going to put him up there. Yeah, that's fine with me. Sorry, Redline Racers. You're going to have to hopefully wait for the sequel to have another chance. <laughs> uh, all right, next up. Best Movie Racer. Does Sweet JP beat out Tom Cruise as Cole Trickle in Days of Thunder? Will Ferrell as Ricky Bobby in Talladega Nights? Vin Diesel as Dominic Toretto in Fast and the Furious? Or Owen Wilson as Lightning McQueen? In cars. Yeah, I want to put JP up there. I do too. Who are you thinking you're going to take off? Um, Owen Wilson. Owen Wilson as cars. Yeah. Or <laughs> as cars. As yeah. Lightning McQueen. As Lightning McQueen. Yeah. I, I wasn't a fan of the Cars movies. I thought that was like their weakest Pixar movies. Yeah. I remember going to see Cars uh, at a drive in theater. Yeah. I just was. I remember that it. when we took your kids to see it. Mm -hmm. And um, at the time, was disappointed. With uh, first for the first time with a Pixar movie, yeah, I I would have to agree. I considering that I hate Cars and I never liked the Cars movies. Uh, Lightning McQueen is a, a pretty easy kickoff for me. So sorry, Lightning, you can just fuck off. And Sweet JP is uh, I, I don't know if they have the stone. They might have to add more on to the actual Rushmore to get the the proper quaff of his hair. Yeah, but exactly. That'll be the uh, the engineering feat of uh, <laughs> the century. <laughs> All right, final Rushmore. Fastest movie characters. Another one for Sweet JP. Does JP beat out Sonic the Hedgehog and Sonic the Hedgehog? Dash from The Incredibles? Ezra Miller as Flash in uh, Justice League? Or Evan Peters as Quicksilver in X-Men? And for this consideration, you can, you know, JP can be in his car, obviously. All these people are, if not already, like, super-powered or some sort of alien in the case of uh, Sonic the Hedgehog. Well, the thing of it is, is all these people are actually fast individuals. But you can count JP in his car. That's what I was saying. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, no, I'm not going to put him up there for that reason. Okay, okay. That's, uh, I guess... He's <laughs> fast, but he's not individually fast. Yeah, he's, he's not just super car human. fast. If you said fastest, you know, car racers... I would definitely put him in there. 
Yeah, I uh, I'm looking at the list. Dash might be maybe the easiest one to take off for me if I was gonna put JP on there, but I guess he already kind of has a, a couple of Rushmore spots for him uh, for himself. So I don't know if he needs the fastest movie character as much as he probably wants that one above all else. Yeah, but unless, until he can run a I guess a a point three five forty. <laughs> like Dash or something like that. Yeah, I don't think JP's, you know, too athletic in that regard. That's fine. That's fine. Well, Dad, we've uh we've officially done re-sculpting uh these Rushmores and we're gonna we're gonna jump right into a live action Netflix recast. Who did you have as your director for this movie? Uh I had Tony Scott, mm-hmm. you know, of Days of Thunder fame. Mm-hmm. And he did uh he was also the guy who did what? It was um, the the he did a lot of stuff. I can't I, even fucking remember. It's yeah. the goddamn airplane movie, Top Gun. Yes. Oh my god, I hate myself. Yeah, Tony Scott, Top Gun, whatever. <laughs> Great pick. I'm pissed at myself. Yeah, I had uh, I had Justin Lin, who you know had a, a couple spots with the the Fast and the Furious, Tokyo Drift being one of them, and I think he's the the natural pick to assume such a role. Yeah. Who did you have as your sweet JP? I thought Ryan Gosling would be a perfect JP. If he's not beating you up in the woods, he's he's gonna be <laughs> in his fast car. And I think Ryan Gosling is a is a good pick. It is. I mean, seeing some of your other picks, you know, I'll come to it when I get there. But even though Ryan Gosling is a little bit older than twenty eight, I think that's uh, he he matches the, the yeah, but factor. he can he can pull off that jp look oh for sure i don't yeah I'm obviously okay they'd that. have to you know put some cgi <laughs> yeah for the hair thing i mean nobody can accomplish that hair no unless you're wearing a wig i had um austin butler who uh i believe most recently was in uh once upon a time in hollywood but he's also going to be in the new elvis presley uh biopic and considering that jp well, who more famous for a pompadour than Elvis? I was going to say, like, this seems to be kind of a, a perfect casting in my mind. And just from looking at the photos, it, uh, he's right around that age range, too. I think he's maybe 29, yeah. 30. Yeah, no, it's, it looks like a really good pick, actually. So Austin Butler would be my uh, my The dark hair pick. and everything. Who did you uh, who did you have as your Sonashi? Charlize Theron. And I think you went a little old with this one. since Charlize... I did, but at the same point, she's still holding together, man. I think she could pull it off. She is uh, certainly still a smoke show, so I'm not going to say you're wrong there. Um, I had uh, Margot Robbie or uh, Sydney Sweeney. And, uh, you know, I hate to always bring up Sydney Sweeney for any anime uh, characters with large breasts, but <laughs> physically, I mean, she looks kind of like Sonashi, and Margot Robbie is the, the star studded pick that you would hope for a role like that. So it's one or the other for me. Yeah, Margot Robbie would, uh, would be nice. That actually is probably. The pick that I would prefer. Okay, perfect. Uh, your frisbee is. Uh, I, I'm questioning it a little bit. Who who did you have as your frisbee? Uh, you know what? After I picked it, for some reason, when I was just looking at the picture, and then <laughs> I saw this picture of Tom Felton. Yeah. You know, Jake, Draco Malfoy. Uh huh. But I mean, no, I'm not. I'm not in love with that pick. I was thinking about changing it, and then I just said, "The hell with it. I'm gonna go with it." 
Well, in terms of the hair, I mean, Felton is, is losing his, or at least it's pushing back uh, pretty severely. Yeah, but if you look at the, you know, at Frisbee. Well, that's I mean, what I was going to say. Yeah. I mean, hair-wise, he could pull it off. I don't think Felton has the uh, the deep, deep voice that Frisbee is. Well, no, that was part of it, too. After I sort of rewatched the film again, I was like, man, he just, he doesn't, it seems like he's got to be a more a gruff character. The only thing I, I was thinking about with Tom Felton was that he was sort of a, you know, a scaby, yeah, villainish type ca- character, and mm-hmm. not that Frisbee really played that, but yeah, Voldemort and the Anuki crime boss are like hand in hand; they're all yeah. the same. I had uh, Ben Foster, who was in, uh, I mean, he's been in a bunch of stuff. He was in that one movie with Chris Pine where he, you know, was Robin Banks. I'm, I'm drawing a blank now, but he, uh, he's a short dude. He, he is ha- got that gruff demeanor. Um, I think he'd be able to shave this little goatee he's got and, you know, dye his hair green and not be too bad of a pick. Yeah, I'm good with that. Uh, who did you have as your old man mole? I had Patrick Stewart. Which would add some, uh, you know, gravitas to old man mole. I don't know how he would, uh, you know, sound with a Shakespearean <laughs> English accent, but yeah. I'm okay with it. Uh, I had Richard Ryle, or it's R-I-E-H-L. I can't really say his name, but... Yeah. You know, I've seen him in a bunch of stuff, but really it was just the mustache. Yeah, the, the mustache name. nails it. Who was your uh, your Anuki boss? I had Steve Buscemi. Which I don't hate. You know, this Steve Buscemi has played uh, mob-affiliated pl- uh, people before. He was in The Sopranos. I mean, he played, uh, he was in Reservoir Dogs. So, you know, he, he's no stranger to a life of crime. Yeah. I'm okay with that. I had uh, Ray Liotta, who in this pick is not looking great, and neither is the Anuki boss, so throw an eye patch on him. Yeah, that's actually, when I saw that, I was like, yeah, I like that a little better than mine. Mm-hmm. And he could, you know, maybe get that uh, the Irishman treatment, have the uh, younger version of himself looking really cool for uh, some form of JP as a younger man. Who did you have as your robo-world president? Stalin Skarsgård. Okay. That's I like that pick. I do. Um, Stalin Starsguard. Yeah, like he's uh, coming up in that uh, new Dune movie. Oh, okay. He plays one of the characters in there. I can't tell you who it was, but... Yeah. I can't wait for that to come out. Yeah, that's going to be awesome. Uh, I had Brendan Gleeson, who is probably best known, or at least to me, for uh, being in Bruges. And he was also in the, the Comey role, who... Uh, he played Trump. And I, I consider the robo-world president to be somewhat of a Trumpian figure, at least with the, the hair... Uh, that was just like immediate thought. It was like this dude. So yeah, that that's a good pick too. <laughs> just looking at the picture, yeah, plays a perfect Trump. Yeah, I, d- I haven't seen the Comey rule, but I'm I'm gonna take it from this uh, picture alone that he did a great job. Uh, this is one of our last two picks. We have the Secretary of Defense Titan. Did you have anyone for this? <laughs> yeah, I had a hard time with this one. I just sort of punted on this. I I picked Tom Hiddleston. That's not a bad pick. I mean, you this particular character is uh, got well, a little bit of a sass to him. So yeah. That Plus, he's going to be wearing some kind of crazy like helmet type of getup or mm-hmm. you know headgear. Mm-hmm. I guess I uh, I was just trying to figure out who would want to be holding that you know hairless cat and taking orders all day. And B.J. Novak uh, wasn't necessarily taking orders from uh, a Robo World type figure in the office, but does have that kind of look and i also had jim parsons who is probably best known for being in the big bang theory yeah but, i can't 
I can't see Sheldon. No. <laughs> <laughs> you can't see Sheldon doing no. anything else. I mean, I see sort of how you were going at the look, but he's just, I don't think he can pull off Secretary of Defense Titan. Hey, we'll 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 see one day. Hopefully, they uh, they greenlight this one. <laughs> it seems like Hollywood is, is searching for movies. Uh, and then finally, since a lot of these racers were were pretty hard to cast, and I didn't even really want to attempt it. Yeah, I did want to just you know highlight my favorite uh, Mickey and Todoroki. Uh, who did you have as your <laughs> your duo there? I went with Will Ferrell and John C. Riley, which is also a little older, but they have the energy yeah. that you are, you're looking for. Yeah. And I had uh, Jonah Hill and Michael Sarah, but you know, I guess I'm I'm looking for a different form of Jonah Hill. I'm always looking at the super bad version, so you know, I'm they, not gonna... yeah. I mean, in terms of you're right. I mean, age wise, they would probably be the perfect pick. That would be funny as shit. Yeah, that'd be great. I would love to see Jonah Hill uh, hyping up Michael Sarah as they dig through the earth. Dad, we've. Uh, I guess reached the end of the bottle. The bartender's given us the eye, and uh, he's hoping we leave because we're here every week. <laughs> he's sick of us. <laughs> but do we have any uh, questions for the director before we get the heck out of here? Call an Uber? Yeah. Well, I was just, I was questioning what the hell was Funky Boy? I, I don't know. He was some supposedly some bioweapon, but he just looked like another, you know, anime blob of, you know, biblical Light. proportions and... Uh, at the same point, I was wondering, like, are they, were they doing this, were they calling him Funky Boy as, like, a a thing about, you remember, like, the atomic bombs? I would have to imagine that's probably... Little Boy and Fat Man. Yeah. And uh, I was wondering if that's what they were trying to uh, insinuate. I think that's probably a good guess. I, Funky Boy, when they first said the name in the movie, I was yeah. like, what the fuck are they talking yeah. about? But, yeah, I think it's probably a play on that. And then I was questioning, you know, why, you know, JP, I mean, when you watch the movie, you obviously avoids these different weapons and stuff, but is it like, how does he think he's going to survive without any weapons when everyone else has weapons and they're firing at each other, but JP somehow has avoided using any kind of weaponry on his car. He's just too good. Yeah. He's just too talented of a racer. He doesn't need it. Like you said, he's, he just has that need for speed and he doesn't need a bullets involved yeah and i mean if you look at his car too i mean it's like you know a tenth of the size of every other car it is which supposedly like, gives him the advantage with you know the nitro you know i mean because then it just he doesn't have as much weight to, to push around yeah i guess that would probably be the the number one reason to have that little regular car i mean he's a traditionalist i mean come on now yeah. trans am he's a cool guy yeah <laughs> you don't need guns when you're cool uh, I actually didn't really have any questions. My my question would have been who was the the cool guy that JP was fawning after, but I, I kind of pieced it together that it was the the Anuki boss, or at least that's what I'm gonna have to interpret. All right. Uh, well, uh, as we're being shuffled out the door and we're uh, waiting for this this Uber to take us home because we're certainly not gonna drink a drive, we've uh, crash landed into Notes and Arata. Dad, is there anything you wanted to uh, bring up, apologize for? for yeah, we, uh, I wanted to uh, send out apologies to Ra- Ralph Macchio. Mm-hmm. We kept calling him Scott. <laughs> I think that was more me than you, but I, I definitely was calling yeah, him Scott. Yeah, you definitely kept calling him Scott. And I thought maybe you were thinking about Scott Bayo. And I was. That was exactly <laughs> like Scott Bayo and Ralph Macchio are like the same person to me. Yeah, Chachi. Chachi <laughs> Ar- Aracola from Happy Chachi. Days. 
and the uh, stalwart Republican. Yeah, good for him. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure Scott's really down the dumps right now. Yeah. Now that his boy Trump is out. Maybe he'll want to come on the podcast, air out his grievances. Yeah. Hey, anytime. I, I don't know if I want Scott Bayo on the pod. I do. <laughs> I want Chachi. Yeah. Yeah, that's fine. I uh, I guess I personally want to apologize to my own father because uh, I I knew my dad turned 58, but in the heat of the moment, I said 57. Just and because. I actually appreciate that that you're you're definitely looking out for me by you know trying to make me younger than I am. Uh huh. I know you were getting a lot of tweets and a lot of mentions of everybody wishing you a happy 57th. And <laughs> I had to be uh, messaging them personally. So that really, no apology needed, but you know, we have to set the record straight. Yeah, now. so no one thinks that we're just lying. Because I know in a different episode, at least in the first or so, it's we said your, uh, your age, so yeah. <laughs> if anyone cares. They'll start questioning. Yeah, your dad. It's not really your dad, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you don't even know how old he is. Yeah, this whole fucking show is a lie. Was there uh, anything else? And I also stated that the wine that we drank on the last episode was a collaboration between between um, Joel Gotti and Charles Beeler. When it's not Gotti, it's just Joel Gott of you know wine fame, and no association to the Gotti crime family. That should have been our uh, our wine this episode. We needed some crime affiliated. Probably, wine. yeah. yeah. <laughs> Maybe on the uh, the next episode if it's. Uh... Something also mob-related. <laughs> Dad, what are you going to give your wine rating this week? Um, I liked it. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to give it my highest, but I'm going to give it a high rating. I'm giving it four out of five Steamlight Boosters. That's great. Yeah. I'm going to give it, a, let's say, three old man mole arms out of four. So it wasn't the best, but it was, it was still pretty good. <laughs> Well, Dad, my uh, my Uber's here. I'm uh, about to uh, step in and uh, call it a night. But just like always, we have no idea what we're doing. And hopefully on the other end, we'll come up with something all right. But we'll uh, see you guys next week. Wherever you listen to podcasts, if there's a way for you to rate us, and if you want to be pimped out on this podcast, I will love to do that for you. Absolutely. All right, beautiful. We'll see you guys next week. Yep. Bye-bye. Don't drink a drive.